Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat by Fit Aerobic. If you're looking to improve your health and well-being to lead a healthy, fit, and fulfilling life, whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete, this podcast is for you. We'll dive deep into the world of health and wellness, backed by scientific evidence, by bringing in expert advice, practical tips, and inspiring stories through our insightful interviews and engaging discussions. Now, on to the show. Hi, I am Alok and I'm your host at Fitterobic. Welcome to Fitness Pro Chat, the podcast by Fitterobic. I am excited to speak today with Michael Stein, a yoga instructor for the last 30 years. Michael has served as director of Ashtanga Yoga New Pals and has led many workshops, teacher trainings on yoga in his lifetime in the United States. Let's join Michael for an exciting discussion today. Welcome to the show, Michael. It's a pleasure to host you. Great to meet you. Thank you. Today, Michael and I are going to try and decipher some good insights about yoga and learn how someone who is interested in yoga can start their journey. Let's transition to our first question, Michael. Please tell all of us about yourself. We are also interested to learn where your journey towards becoming a yoga instructor started. Sure. Um, I really started at a young age. I was lucky. I was, uh, I would say I was blessed that my parents were both into yoga, involved in yoga in the 1970s. And we would go on different holidays, uh, sometimes to an ashram locally in New York state, sometimes to an ashram in the Bahamas, going to places where we could study yoga and just enjoy ourselves away from New York city where we lived most of the time. And I learned a lot of yoga through the Shivananda School of Yoga, which was created by Swami Vishnu Devananda. And I learned a lot of yoga through the Integral Yoga School um, in New York City, which was started by Swami Satchidananda. And uh, I'm just very lucky that I was able to be introduced at a young age. Um, You know, one thing that I've seen is whatever we do at a young age, it kind of sticks with us, even if we don't do it for a time. We can usually pick it back up. If, if somebody skis a lot when they're five, six years old, they generally have the balance for the rest of their life. So it felt like that with yoga as well. Absolutely. So I was reading your profile online and came to know uh, how your parents took you into yoga holidays. And, and you just uh, mentioned about some of these holidays. So it would be exciting to discuss uh, about your yoga holidays. What were the key lessons you imbibed at these holidays? There were a lot of lessons. Um, I think a lot of it was listening to people speak about esoteric subjects and Hindu philosophy, being introduced to the Hindu gods as manifestations, um, you know, different parts of the world or different parts of nature was very interesting to me. Um, You know, my background was Jewish culturally, but I I liked hearing the different stories as a young child. And I liked also seeing how that could be representative of what's going on in the world. And also it was inspiring to see certain teachers like Swami Vishnu Devananda speak and tell about his own journey from India and his, his relationship with his guru, Swami Shivananda, that I thought that was great just to you know, see the, and the differences in the culture between my New York culture, you know, very, very based in the United States and New York City versus somebody like Vish, Swami Vishnu who is from India and how he came to meet his, his guru. You know, he, he would tell funny stories about how he, he really was not uh, wanting to or didn't believe in 
the guru relationship at the beginning and how just, you know, the, the love from his guru kind of won him over in a lot of ways. Uh, and, you know, the openness from Swami Shivananda and just being around certain people there who were very um, adept at the yoga practices, at the asanas when I was at the, in the Bahamas, especially the yoga retreat in the Bahamas is a beautiful place to practice. So that always made me, you know, interested. But I, as a young person, as a 10, 10 years old to 15 uh -huh. years old, I couldn't really sit still very well. So it was just hard for me to even do the yoga sometimes because I didn't want to stop and rest at all. I wanted to keep moving. And some of the, some of the things were more, you know, restful. So you also mentioned about, uh, I mean, you were in India in around 90s. So was this part of the one of these yoga holidays or it was for not related to yoga? Oh, no, it was related to yoga, but it was kind of a, that was years later when I was in my mid 20s. And I had I had met some teachers uh, that I liked who discovered Ashtanga yoga. You know, they uh -huh. were students, they were students of uh, Sri K. Patabi Joyce. Okay. And um, I started enjoying the Ashtanga yoga probably very much because I had a lot of energy and wanted to move a lot. But the more I got into it, the more I understood the, the peace involved with it because, you know, doing it in a quiet room, you know, the Mysore style Ashtanga yoga, it's very much um, you do it on your own, your own practice, your own pace, which was very nice. So I wound up, uh, you know, deciding to go to India to study with Patabi Joyce for a little while. I, you know, I, I, I will admit I didn't study with him as long as most people do. Um, just one month. A lot of people would would go there for many much longer. Uh, but I took it. I took my time going around India. You know, going to Jaipur, going to a plate, little place called Puri by the beach was nice. Going to yeah. uh, Benares and Mysore, and um, yeah, so that was great. And um, it was an interesting, definitely eye opening. As I think any Westerner that goes to India will have some amazing experiences because it's always, you know, so many people around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, very true. And I say it, it you, you are blessed to be, uh, I mean, uh, under the tutelage of a lot of uh, great gurus who have been teaching yoga and imparting their learnings to you. Uh, and so, I mean, one, one uh, question that comes to me is like most of these uh, spiritual gurus uh, or, or people who have been practicing yoga for many, many years and including you. Uh, everyone talks about yoga is more about experiential reality and it, it is more than, uh, say, performing certain poses or, or uh, I mean, doing exercises. So what are your thoughts about yoga as a pra practitioner and, and as an instructor? Hmm. It's a very difficult question to answer because there's so many realms within that question. Um, okay. Yeah. Do we? I, I think classically, a lot of us in the West we come to yoga from the asana. Uh, we, we're, we're attracted to it often because we it feels good to our body, you know, and it makes us, it makes us much stronger very quickly. Um, and you know, that's that's a general rule. Everyone has a different path. Absolutely. As a young, as a younger person, you know that was definitely my way, and it it, it immediately you, you change your diet naturally without having to think about it because you know you don't want to feel heavy when you're doing yoga. You want to feel light and airy, and the more you do it, the better you feel. So the asana is a big a big part of it. Then you get more into pranayama. Generally, you learn learn more about the breath, and it's it kind of just becomes a self fulfilling practice. You know, everything you do feeds on itself. You. I wound up learning more and more about the, the yoga sutras and, you know, reading a lot of the sacred books from India, but then also I, you know, very, very much into 
looking into the the, the Dao De Ching. I, I love reading the Dao, and you know more and more these days. After I think a lot of the postures that I used to find difficulty with, they become a little more fluid, a little more easeful now after many years of doing them. You know, if you practice five six days a week at least, you do make some breakthroughs. Absolutely, and then. Um, now I have a very different perspective on it. Now I feel like a lot of the movements, you flowing one to the next, is very much about moving the energy systems within the body, moving the circulation, the lymph. It's it's more subtle energy in a lot of ways. Once the postures don't become, uh, it's not even about how difficult they are because you can still move all the energy even if the postures are difficult for you. It's a matter I feel of having um, less struggle when you're in the pose, just really accepting where you are in the posture and then moving to another posture and trusting your intuition. So I try to, within my own practice, really trust what feels right for me. And now that I've done it for so long, instead of always following the same um, sequence, which is also a good practice, but just not for me right now. And so um, it it, it becomes a lot more, um, I don't, um, it becomes a lot more, inside it's an internal practice more than an external practice even though it looks like an external practice you know what i mean so it doesn't it's much more about the breath it's much more about moving subtle energy within the body and the different organs than than just creating muscle absolutely absolutely i mean uh i would say uh, especially uh, now we we see and if i if i log into say a social media platform i mean uh we we most often we see uh, yoga is now increasingly being viewed as an exercise, and uh, most people believe or have started to believe that only people who have flexible bodies or special physical agility, or someone who can do contort- contortion poses, so they are capable of, or they are the only ones who can perform yoga. Uh, so it would be good to understand uh, your perspective uh, about like. How yoga is not about contorted poses, and you talked about flow of energy. Uh, it would be good to understand more in detail how yoga is very different from just an exercise, uh, but a life-changing experience, which we all of us are, most of us are unaware about. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you there. Um, well, first of all, yoga, I can never view yoga as a sport. And a lot of exercises are viewed very much as a sport because there would be a goal or there would be a competitive practice within the sport. There, mm. could, there could be a winner. And even if, if, you know, if you do the sport in a lighthearted manner, there's often a winner. Um, you can't really create a, create a winner or a hierarchy in yoga, in my opinion. Um, nobody knows what level someone's practicing at really, because the level is very much about your mind, the mindfulness you bring into it. Some days we're more mindful. Some days we're more steady and balanced. So somebody might look like an expert in yoga, uh, to, to the observer, but it doesn't really mean that they're practicing very deeply internally. They might be very full of anxiety. They might be very full of, you know, full of ego, while yes. practicing the postures, and that's not really yoga. So how do we get into yoga? Um, sometimes we might be very inspired by people who are so-called contortionists, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you might look at that, very look at that, might get us in the room or look at it on social media and make us interested. But of course, that's not really what it's about. Some people just have more of a propensity to do contortions. They're they're yes. born with certain, you know, openness in their in their hips, openness in their spine. 
True. Uh, it's not always even the healthiest thing. I, you know, I teach a lot of anatomy and I talk about how, you know, having a trick sacrum or a, or a super bendy lower back at the lumbar vertebrae doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you. It might look impressive, but over the course of years, it can damage your spine actually. So really it's about, I do feel the yoga asana can be very much for therapy for everyone. I find it, it, it I, I remember speaking to a yoga student of mine and, and, you know, there, she was there with her husband and she said she wants to come back to yoga class soon and see me soon. I said, oh yeah, bring your husband. And he said, oh, I can't do yoga. I'm, I'm way too stiff for yoga. And that's, you know, that's, it's a funny, it's a funny statement because yoga is, that's what you're doing it for. You're doing it if you are stiff to bring more mindfulness, to be healthier. And interestingly, let's say, let's say we're, you know, 40, 50 years old and we've never done any stretching and you feel fearful to walk in and you think, oh, I'm not going to make any progress. Well, even if, even if a 40, 50 year old just stays as they are, even if they keep the status quo for another 10, 20 years, even if they don't get any more flexible, what you're seeing is that they're, they're, they're adding many years to their life. They're adding a lot of uh, movement to their life because over those 10 and 20 years, they're staying as they were from 40 to 50 years old. So they might not see a lot of progress. They might not do full splits. It doesn't matter, but they're creating a lot of movement through their fascia, which is a huge, a huge discipline and a huge importance to our body. It doesn't matter if the muscle itself gets that much longer, but the fascia is getting moved around, the circulation's moving, the breath is moving. That's going to add a lot of um, a lot of joy to their life. And at the end of the day, you'll be able to walk better, bike, bicycle better, dance better. I always say that you know we can do yoga so we can dance better. And what's what's uh -huh. more freeing than dancing, really? So, so it's really for everyone. I would say I'd agree with you. Even I even teach chair yoga, and chair yoga is very very you know appropriate for any level, no matter who you are. Uh-huh. No, I, I think that that uh, were some of the very great insights to to hear because uh I mean most of people most people today believe and have started to believe that yes, yoga is all about people who are very flexible and people with flexible bodies can only do yoga. And I think this uh, would definitely be of great help to uh, all of them uh, today. So uh Another one uh, that I have, like, what are the, some of the misconceptions about yoga that you see are prevalent today and basis uh, your experience and some of the anecdotes that you could talk about uh, these misconceptions? Misconception. Well, we, we touched upon that already, that it's not just for flexible people. Yeah. Uh, I think we, I think also there's sometimes there's a misconception in the West that yoga is owned by that's almost owned by the by india and you know i understand we i don't i don't like i don't like to take anybody's culture uh -huh. and I, i'm very respectful of everyone's culture no matter what it is but i don't i definitely feel that yoga is not owned by anyone it's it's uh -huh. a it's a it's a beautiful gift of a practice you know it's the practice should be for everyone uh -huh. um you know i, I want to be you know inclusive to everyone <laughs> that wants to do it no matter what what they look like Absolutely. or where they're from you know so yeah yoga is a great practice um it can be done by anyone at any age another misconception is you know touching upon the age issue is that people sometimes think they're too old to begin or they have too many injuries to begin but that would be kind of like saying oh I, i'm too old or I have too many injuries to go to physical therapy or i'm too old oh. to breathe you know it's just not the case we can 
we can begin a yoga practice anywhere, anytime. It's really, all we really need is some time, some discipline, uh, some willingness to try something new, a little sense of adventure. So it's, it's really a mis misconception to think that age has anything to do with it. We don't, we don't have to do the most advanced postures. I don't, I don't like to see people scared off because everyone in the room is doing handstand scorpion or something. You know, it's not, it's not what yoga is about. It's, it's a wonderful feeling, but it doesn't mean that everyone has to get there. There's so many other things we can do. Absolutely. In essence, it's movement. You know, it's, it's like saying it's another ana analogy would be, you know, can we play music at any age? Sure. We might not become a virtuoso, but we can bang on a drum and we can play chords on a guitar at any age. So just if you're moving, if you're breathing, you can do yoga as well. You don't have to be you know, the best in the room. It's not, it has nothing to do with it. And there's never, again, there's never anyone who's going to win the practice. Absolutely. You also talked about, uh, you, you conduct a lot of workshops on anatomy. And uh, so I, I would definitely want to understand uh, what all of us can learn in some of these workshops uh, on anatomy and core uh, strength that you that you conduct and uh, how can people actually be part of these workshops okay um yeah i've been teaching anatomy workshops for a little over 20 years um i got very fascinated with the musculoskeletal system as i got deeper into my practice and i read a lot of books and i would always just talk to people who knew more than me all the time you know anybody who i who understood anatomy chiropractors you know massage therapists so i became very fascinated partly because i feel that when we understand anatomy better we can we can actually be our own healers when you know, if we have a shoulder injury, if we have a hip, hip, hip pain, ankle pain, you know, we learn about our bodies much better and we're carrying this body around for better or for worse for our whole life. So we might as well understand it. So when we really understand anatomy well, we can make our own sequences, uh, create our own therapies out of the yoga practice. And of course, we can pull from other practices because yoga is not everything. I've, I've learned more and more to pull from Pilates and calisthenics and do things that will strengthen around the joint. One thing that yoga sometimes lacks in some forms of yoga, some styles, because uh, there's so many different styles of yoga, obviously, some styles will lack the strength around the joint spaces. Yes. So just like if, if, you, vis if you visualize a door opening and closing, we don't want to have the screws in the door loose. We want the screws in the door to be Absolutely. stable and tight. Otherwise, the door can fall off the hinges. In the same way, we don't want the tendons around our joints to be loose. We want the, the, the strength around the muscle and the tendons at the shoulder joint, the, the hip joint, the knee joint. We need these muscles to be fairly strong and stable. So I, I do teach a lot of my anatomy workshops where the muscles are, how you can stabilize the joints through strengthening the muscles, because it's, it's important to understand what the action of each muscle is. Obviously, we don't have to understand every single muscle, but the major muscle groups, the quadriceps, the hamstrings, the, the, the deltoid, the shoulder girdle, the, the gluteals, all these muscles, in addition to others. When we understand how they work, how they strengthen, and what movements we can use to strengthen them, then we can also heal ourselves a lot quicker from injury. On the other side of the coin, we can understand about how to, how would I say, do the opposite. If you know how to strengthen a muscle, you generally can learn how to stretch it pretty easily Absolutely. because you just do the opposite of the strengthening movement. 
So yeah, anybody can reach out to me on Instagram or any which way to get into an anatomy workshop. I also teach private classes, uh, you know, online and all, you know, any, any, there's always different options to learn more. I, I like to do, sometimes I like to do pri a private yoga class followed by an anatomy session to, you know, build up a little bit of knowledge of each. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for that, sharing that. Uh, so next one, uh, I want to understand, like, what is the first step to learning yoga and how can someone who wants to start yoga at home become a practitioner of yoga? Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure I really recommend learning yoga at home unless you have to. Um, if you're learning yoga at home, there's a lot of mistakes that can be made with the alignment. And so sometimes people, they, depending on the personality of the person, sometimes people might push too hard. If they don't have a, someone to look at their alignment, they might hurt themselves and then immediately get turned off of the practice. You know, if you have to do yoga at home, that's, you know, there's definitely options. Of course, there's a thousands, millions of YouTube videos. There's so many books out there. I, I'm not going to recommend one because it, de it depends what type of practice you want to do. There's, you know, I, there's at least, you know, 10 yoga styles I can name off the top of my head. There's probably more than that. But so I recommend finding a teacher that you resonate with, someone that feels like someone who's safe, someone you trust. I think trust is a big part of having a teacher because you want to trust them to, you know, you know, maybe even manipulate you in the posture a little bit gently. Um, sometimes I think just finding someone who has a regular yoga practice who can refer you to a good teacher is good. And knowing what type of person you are also some people want a more gentle class you might you might take a class with the shivananda style or the integral yoga for a more gentle class if you want the real strict alignment based yoga you might do the iyengar style you know you know or, or an alignment flow class um there's a lot of classes of course that are vinyasa that's based on ashtanga yoga which is if you want more of a dance-like class if you're already fairly limber or if you just want to feel the movement more I try to teach a yoga class that is dance-like generally, but also not too fast. I, I, one thing I would, I would say is don't, don't go to a yoga class, especially at the beginning, that moves too quickly. You want to feel each posture for what it is. Um, if you're, you can flow from one posture to the next, but you want to hold each posture for at least five or six long breaths so you feel the, the benefits of each pose. Otherwise, it's, you, know, you can be flailing your body around and it's just not going to have the therapeutic value. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I come to the next one, uh, which is more on this, uh, the restorative and the curative part of good health. Uh, and, and most people uh, see yoga as, as a restorative and curative channel to good health. So from your experience, are there any anecdotes uh, which you want to share that highlights the restorative and the curative aspects of yoga? Yeah, there's there's many of those. I mean, I've known a lot of people um, who have had lower back issues. You know, um, sometimes slight slight herniations of the disc in their back. You know, with the the disc the disc between the vertebrae moves a little bit out of place. Doing uh, back bending postures regularly. Doing, you know, whether it's cobra or or variations of camel pose. You know, camel pose is one of the most curative back bends I find because it's so symmetrical. Uh, so it opens up it opens up the spaces between the vertebra and it also stretches our psoas muscle on both sides equally. Um, not everybody can do camel pose to its you know full form. There's no reason to have to do it to the full form. There's many variations, whether we just have our hands on the waist or clasp our fingers and in, you know interlace our fingers behind our buttocks. You know, that's another variation. 
you know, if you think about it, we don't really spend any time in back bends throughout our day. Everything is about forward bending or reaching forward. You know, our arms are coming out. That's why, you know, Iyengar and his daughter talked a lot about backbending being very important because it's the opposing movement to what we do all day long and even how we often sleep. So backbends are very important to health of the spine. I've seen people um, relieve sciatica issues. There's so much, especially in the West, you know, where we sit in chairs so often. There's so many problems with sciatica pain. So yoga is one of the best things for that, I find. Um, physical therapy is good for sciatica, but... I think the problem is in physical therapy, you don't often warm up well first. So in, in a yoga class, you'll warm up your body very well. That makes it more likely that the muscles uh, will stretch well. The deep hip muscles and the lower back muscles, they'll stretch more easily once we're warmed up, hopefully yes. in a fairly warm. We don't have to be in a hundred degree room, but you know, a warmish room is helpful. And so then when we can release the pressure around the sciatic nerve, you know, that's very healing for people with sciatica pain. And it's just, it's, it can be a very debilitating type of injury or, or problem. It's not exactly an injury. It can be a very debilitating thing, not to be able to walk well, to have pain when you get up out of a chair each time. I've seen that a lot. So yeah, yoga is great against that. It's, and it's also great just to prevent injury. I'd, I'd say that's probably the main thing about yoga, because if we have our hamstrings get too tight. If we have what's called hypertonic hamstrings and we never stretch them and we're maybe someone who runs or walks or sits too much, um, our hamstrings get so tight that it pulls on our, on our pelvis. It pulls hard on the lower back because the pelvis is connected to the lower back. And so if we want to always have our hamstrings at least flexible. We don't have to be, you know, super bendy in the hamstrings, but that's, it, it's more important than most people think. And yes. most men I know never stretch their hamstrings. <laughs> so what are top three recommendations you'd like to share with everyone uh, who wants to start practicing yoga? And I, I you know most of it uh, you already mentioned, but if you could be summarize uh, for all of us uh, on uh, for people who want to start practicing yoga, but are confused on how to get started. What's, so you're asking what's the best way for them to get started from a beginner's level? Yeah, it could be more of, uh, say, recommendations or, or the summary of, of uh, the top three pointers that, that you uh, could share with all of us. Right. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I'd say just getting in touch with your body learning how to move in space. Because if we th think about it this way, yoga is always moving within the, within the field of gravity. So gravity is pulling us down. Obviously, we are all, we're always in the field of gravity, but yoga very much so, because we're, we're doing everything either to release into gravity or to lift up away from gravity. Yeah. So for instance, when we learn our balance postures, when we learn our stretches, we, we, we want to understand where are we placing weight in our body so that we're releasing into the earth and where are we lifting away? And by understanding that more and more, by just getting a feel for our bodies in general, um, especially with one-legged balances, those are very important things like tree pose or even warrior three pose at, at, at a beginner's level. It teaches us so much about that pull of gravity and how to place our weight properly. There's you know a recent study saying that if we can balance on one foot, for at least 15 seconds, we have a, there's, there's a much greater chance that we're going to live another 10 or 15 years. If we cannot balance on one foot for that amount of time, there's is a host of problems that might be going on in our body. Um, 
So one-legged balance is important. Learning just how to distribute your weights, you know, taking the feet in different positions and distributing the weight in different areas is very important. That's also part of yoga. And then, of course, like I said, having a really good instructor because the instructor is going to make a profound difference in, in your alignment and how, and how healing it is and making sure you don't hurt yourself. A lot of, you know, a lot of yoga teachers will, will say, you know, obviously the first part is ahimsa, right? And doing yes. nonviolence to others, but of course, also to ourselves and not to have an, an aggressive attitude with our practice. We don't want to be forcing ourselves into shapes. So it's, I would say to anyone who's beginning, don't, don't imagine you're making a shape that you're seeing in a book or on social media. That's not important to make that shape. It's, you, everyone has a very unique body. So everyone should be finding their own, their own practice within the posture. That was great, Michael. Uh, great to listen from you. Uh, and definitely, uh, I would say most all of us would have got a lot to learn from the insights that you have shared today. Once again, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to speaking with you again and delve deep into different aspects of yoga. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Fitness Pro Chat by Fit Aerobic. We hope you had key takeaways from today's episode and learned something new. Don't forget to download and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. In the meantime, reach out to us on Instagram at Fit Aerobic or through our website, fitaerobic.com. And remember, failures will only make you strong and better learn. Take care, stay healthy, and live a fulfilling life with Fit Aerobic.